Today's daf is daf Tzadi Hey. We are holding towards the bottom of Tzadi Dalid Amud Beis. Toshima. It is uh, six lines from the bottom. Okay. We were dealing with a uh, ruling that we learned yesterday that said as part of the uh, Chachamim's Takana to ensure that it is easier for people to do teshuva, they said that if someone is a perennial thief or a perennial malva baribis, that we actually uh, do not uh, allow people to take back payment from this guy. So we're not talking about the individual that has a one-time, one-off theft or one-off, uh, let's say, ribbis, but somebody who's perennial, that means basically he would have to wipe out his whole life savings and his whole, his, 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 give up his house, give up his belt, whatever the cases were over there, they made that takana because they wanted to make it easy for people to be able to do tshuva under such circumstances. So that's what we are, uh, we're focusing on right now. Toshima, come and listen. The Bryson says as follows, Haroin, shepherds. Shepherds generally were known to uh, violate other people's property rights, allowing their animals to graze in the fields of others. Gaboyim, these are tax collectors. Mochsin are uh, custom collectors, people that they take money at the uh, exorbitant rates when you cross over into other properties, into other, into other countries. For them to do tshuva is really very difficult because they've stolen from so many people, it's very hard for them to know how they know to give back to who they stole from. But nevertheless, if they know that who they stole from, they can identify some of the people, even not all, they've got to do their best efforts to at least give back to the people that they can recognize or identify. But the Gemara now asks us as a question. We just said there's a takana that they don't have to give back. From this Bryce, it seems pretty clear is that their tshuva is difficult and they have to give back to people that recognize means they are required to give back. So Gemara says, no, no, the pshat in the Bryce is as follows. Amri, B'nai Shiva answered, Mahzirin, they need to attempt to give back, but but we are not allowed to receive it. So Moritz says, if, they, if, if we're not going to be allowed to take it, so then what's the purpose of them attempting to give it back? To get their full tshuva, they at least have to show that they made an attempt to give it back. Lemaisa, we don't allow you to hold on to it, to keep it. We don't, you know, about accept it, but they, at least if they're able to, wherever they're able to, it's part of the contrition, part of showing there's remorse, is attempting to give back. But we ourselves do want to make it easier for them. So what it says like this, at the end of the day, so then why is the tshuva difficult if at the end of the day that we are not allowed to keep that money? Right? So why is that considered to be like their tshuva is difficult? For Odin, furthermore, Amos Sefer, let's look at the second part of the b'risa. Second part of the b'risa says, She'ein mekirin, that if they don't know, the money that they know is stolen, or that they got through ill-gotten gains, and they don't know who it was from, then what they need to do is use it for communal funds. They need to do something that's, gonna, that's going to help the community at large. So what do they do? They should do, use it for public 
for public needs. But Amr Abchist and Abchist explain boros, shichin, umaros, so uh, that they should make uh, different types of uh, water reservoirs. They should use make cisterns, trash, uh, trenches, ditches, uh, underground caves. These are things that they're going to that are going to be used for for uh, storing water. So therefore, even though they can't give it back because they don't know who the people, the, the, the victims were, but at least the community gets to benefit from it. So that's considered to be part of the contrition. But what do you see? They are actually making the expenditure. So first of all, if they're not making the expenditure, why are you calling it difficult? And, if, and, and from the bribes, it's clear they are required to make the expenditure. They don't know who to give it to, then they should give it to use it for communal sources. So therefore, the one is back to this question. We just learned that you don't have to give somebody's perennially... Uh, a thief or a malveribus or gets money through ill-gotten gains, he's not required to give it back. So when it says, Lord Kasha, kan kanem takana, kan lacha takana. The one says, must be that that brisa that seems to imply that they do have to spend the money on people that they know who they stole from and the ones they don't have to spend it on some type of communal need, that's talking about before the takana. Remember, the takana only started from the times of Rebbe, but after the times of Rebbe, then the takana was in place, then taka, they would not have to make the expenditure. So taka, before the times of Rebbe, it was, that was the reason why the takana is tshuva, and uh, it was difficult, because, and people therefore would be reluctant to do tshuva, but therefore after Rebbe, so the bride is talking about before tshuva, and, and, and before the takana, and, and, uh, the, and the, 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 the ruling before was talking about from the, from the times of Rebbe and on. Says the Moravaiter, there's actually another way we can reconcile the contradiction. Rav Nachman made a caveat, which really uh, changes the whole nature of the Takona of Rebbe. Right? The Takona of Rebbe was basically is that, you know, Ira had issues with it. The person steals, right? He's got all these ill-gotten gains. Well, he doesn't have to give it back. I mean, like, what's Takona the Pshat, right? So Rav Nachman said, it's only, the Takona is only where the actual item of the theft is no longer in his possession. But if he actually has the items that he stole, there's that baseball card collection, and then there's that car, and there's that, if the items are there, the Takana doesn't help you from giving back the actual item. What the, uh, what, what the Takana helps is a guy has led a life such as this, where he, he, everything he owns basically is either directly from theft or he, got, he sold the item and now he has the money, and now he invested. But Lemaiser, it's talking about that situation where he doesn't actually have the, the items themselves but he has the derivative, the benefits of the items, then we don't make him go back and pay unless, but the item itself, if we can identify that stolen property. Oh, like machine, it sort of changed. Yeah, I, I, I like the way you're looking at it. So therefore, that, that's the pshat. So Moses says like this, uh, now that Rav Nachman basically uh, reframed for us the Takana of Rebbe, he says, that's B'Sha'en Gzela Kayemes. It's only talking about where the stolen item is no longer in, in his possession. But if the stolen item is still in his possession, then even Rebbe will not give this guy clemency under that circumstance. Then you can say there's no contradiction. Because we asked the question, the one Bryce seems to say there's a takona you don't have to give back. The Bryce that we just read now is Mashma, you do have to go ahead and pay. The second Bryce, the first we said it's talking about before the takona. You don't have to say it's before the takona. Second Bryce is talking about that he's, he has the actual items in his possession. Has the items in possession, then what? 
Then he's got to give him back. So I said, "Amar Rav Nachman, she ain't the gzelu kiyemes." Then afilu teima. You could even say, "Idi be idi lacha takana." That in both both prices we're talking about after the takana. And why is there no contradiction? Lokasha. Why? Because kamik gzelu kiyemes, kamik gzelu she ain't kiyemes. One's talking about the items are intact that he has them, and kamik she ain't gzelu kiyemes. One's talking about he does not have them. Frek de gemara gaval de gakasha. Because Rav Nachman saying the whole basis of the Takana of Rebbe is specifically for a fellow who has lived a life of crime, but it cannot be talking about where he actually has the item. But if you remember what story triggered the Takana, the, the, the guy said, I want to do tshuva, and she says, what? You're going to even have to give back your belt. Now that seems to imply... That he, that he has the item. But the Takana that was made, if that's the story that came to protect such a thing from happened, that story seems to be talking about what a guy has on him, yeah, the actual stolen one. property. How could that be? Right? That's a, I think it's figurative. Okay. It's more like this. So says the Gemara of Avnait, in the case of the belt, was the Gzela Kayama that implies that we're talking about where the stolen item is, is in possession of the, of, of the Ghanav. Someone says, my, gan, my avnate, what she meant by belt, means, means the may avnate. It means that even the belt that you're wearing was purchased with what? With the, be- with the money that you got from stolen money. No, not that that's a stolen belt, but you would have to give back, if you have to do tshuva, then anything that you got, either the money or that which you bought with the stolen money, would have to be given back. That's where the takana kicked in. That if you don't have the item intact, it's only the belt that you used with stolen money, you would not have to give back that belt. That's the shot over there. That's right. But kol eicha, now the one who wants to know like this. You're telling me that if the item still is in, 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 is, is in place, that means we don't make a takana for tshuva, right? And we don't make a takana for tshuva. It wasn't a takana of Rebbe. There you would have, you want to get tshuva, what do you have to do? If the item's intact, you got to return it. Says the Gemara, but what about, we learned before, the takana's marish, fire marish. Marish was a cross beam. A guy stole these planks, and he goes ahead and makes a large mansion. All right. Now, technically, you can dismantle the mansion, pull out the beam, and give the beam back. But the Chachamim made what's called the Takanas Marish, the Takana of the beam, which means that you don't have to, and we allow you to pay. This is even before the Takana of Rebbe. That even before the Takana, they allowed you to pay instead of giving back the item. But what do you see, though? I mean, maybe it's not it's even, this is post, post the Takana of Rebbe. But what do you see? That even when the item is intact, we still uh, uh, made a Takana to make it easier for the person to do Teshuva. What is like this? What about in the case of the Morish, where the item is intact, the, the beam is there, but nevertheless we learned, for the stolen cross beam, that was built into a large building, that the original, the victim, has to accept compensation, he cannot demand the item, even though the item is intact, in order to allow people to do teshuva. So the Morris is asking us, well, like this. So you see that we did teshuva, we did allow for leniencies when the item is intact. So how do you tell me that Takana of Rebbe was not in cases where the item is intact? Morris says, there's still a big difference. Because in, when we're saying that Rebbe's Takana 
that you're actually not allowed to accept from the guy is not talking about a case of the items intact, is because there, giving back the item is not going to trigger a larger damage to the individual, right? The guy has a, a car, give back the car. Now, he's not gonna, he loses the value of the car that he stole, okay, gave it back. But it's not like the case of the beam. In the case of the beam, if you make him give the beam, then what's the problem over there? He's going to have to take down the whole house. It's going to cause him tens of thousands of dollars of damage. So therefore, if the item's intact, give back the item. The Takanas Marajes is if giving back the item is going to trigger larger damage, then we viewed it as if the item is no longer there. That's the way the Takana works. So you don't have to give an item if it's not there. What does it mean it's not there? Either it's not there because it's mamish is not there, or because it's going to cause the guy damage by giving it back, then we also view it as if it's not there. That's the way you have to view it. So what is it like this? So what it says, Shani Hossam, it's different in the case of the Takana's Marish. The cave and the Ikab say that the Biro, because since it would cause the loss of the building, Shavi Rabbanika Delesa, the rabbis were willing to look at it as if what? As if it's no longer in existence. And therefore, now, in the case of Takana's Marish, you pay. You pay, but that could be like in the case where it's a one-off. Like we said before, it's a one-off. This Takana only helps for the guy that's the perennial. The guy would have to give everything up in order to be able to do tshuva. But I don't believe this takana is coming. The guy who just one time stole, one time stole. One time make up. Yeah, then you have to pay it. But even there we see that there's a leniency. Ah, why are we making a leniency? You have the item intact? No, because, because if it's going to cause ruining the building or the, and it's going to, that'll prevent him from doing tshuva, then we look at it as if it's not there. It just happens So you pay, compensate, you give the money in, instead. Okay, let's go weiter. So we said in the Mishnah as follows. We said that if you stole a pregnant cow, and now while it's by you, it gave birth, or you stole a, a ewe, a E-W-E, a female sheep that was laden with wool, and you went ahead and sheared it. So Rashi Shita, which we're going to go like, the way he understood was that the Chachamim held that you need to, uh, that, the, that, that you do not need to give back the fetus, which is now a bouncing baby uh, kid, or you don't have to give back the wool because that's clearly a shinui in the item that was once attached to the animal, and therefore that you end up keeping. So what do you do is, but the animal itself is not considered to be a really significant shinoi from being non-pregnant, pregnant, or not having wool, not having wool. So that animal goes back, plus you also have to pay for what the value of the animal was at the time when you stole it, with that had the wool and had the fetus, right? But the wool itself, Meaning, so you're, you're so still... You took the wool off the, the female, the, the mother. Yeah, and, okay. and you took the fetus and, and it gave birth, yeah. you get to keep it. It means you are benefiting to a certain extent because you're now keeping the, 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 uh, the, the, the shvach, you're keeping the, 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 the fetus you're keeping now as, a baby, uh, as the baby and you're keeping the wool, but you do have to compensate on what it was. Give back, give back the mother's sheep and then compensate for the wool. Right. Of, of the right. All right. Now, so Gmar brings down now that there seems to be a machlokas tanoim in the matter. Not everybody agrees with this. Now, the basis for, by the way, the basis for the Chachomim of our Mishnah is, goes back to the concept of Shino Yizkona. 
right? Because Lachara, if the Shina would not be Kona, then you would have to give back the wool. You'd have to give back the baby. But the Shina is Kona. Raji just learns it's Kona, Lagaba, the wool, and the baby, not Lagaba, the mother. Then the other Rishonim learn it's Kona, Lagaba, everything. You have to pay everything out of pocket. But that's not how Rashi learned. Okay, now. Let's take a look at Brisa that seems to bring down. Not everybody is on the same page here. Tana Rabban, we learned in a Brisa. Hagozel Rachel Vegozazo. Our case, you stole a sheep and you sheared it. Para, you stole a cow. Viola, and it gave birth. Mishalem Osav Ezgizaiseya Vezvladaiseya Divir of Meir. Rav Meir says you have to pay. It means, i.e., you have to give back everything. You got to give back the cow plus the, the plus the child. You got to give back the, the 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 sheep plus the wool. Not like our Mishnah, right? Not like the sheet of our Mishnah. You see the difference, yeah. Ira. All right. Now we're going to have two other opinions, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, and we're going to have to deal with it at the end of today's daf as to what their machlokus is. But they seem to say pretty much a similar idea, which is like our Mishnah. What does Rabbi Yehuda hold? Rabbi Yehuda Omer Gazela Chazeres Be'ena is that the animal goes back as it was. It means you pay for what the animal was before it gave birth, before it was shorn. Which means you get to keep the offspring. You get to keep the wool, but what you are paying the, the owner... Is the difference in the value? The difference in the value. It means what it was at the time of when, you, when, it was, when it was still pregnant, when it was still uh, laden with wool. Okay? Now, Rab Shimon seems to say something similar, and we're going to have to explain again the Machlov and Rabbi Shimon. Rab Shimon says, Rowan Osa Shuma is that the way we assess what he pays is what the appraisal for this was in, at its cash value at the time of when the theft occurred. Which basically means, again, the, the, the robbery is going to keep the offspring is going to keep the wool, but he does have to pay the value, at least make up the value of what, the, what is missing from the giving back just the mother without the offspring or giving the mother without the wool, that is still going to have to be paid. Now, that seems very similar to what the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda was, which is the sheet of Amish, and the Gemara is going to explain what the machlokas over there is. But let's go now and focus on Rav Meir. Rav Meir is clearly not like our Mishnah. Because what did Rav Meir say? Rav Meir said that what? Uh, that you have to give everything back. You got to give the mother, plus you got to give back the wool, plus you have to give back the offspring. You got to give it all back. Now, what the Gemara is going to question over here is that how do we understand Rav Meir? There's two ways the Gemara suggests that Rav Meir, you could hold like Rav Meir. Number one, it could be that Rav Meir just doesn't agree with the concept of Shinui. Like we had a whole list of uh, Chachamim before. You may, if he doesn't agree with Shinui, then no matter what happens, it still all belongs to... And therefore you've got to give it all back. That's one way, which we don't really want to go that route because we already showed everybody really does agree with the concept of Shinu. Now, so that, that, that's, that's one way. The other way to learn is that Rav Meir does agree with Shinu. I, if Rav Meir agrees with Shinu, then what's the problem? And why is he, why is he giving back what piece? Why is he giving back the wool? Why do you have to give back the fetus? Shinu, it should belong to the, 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 the thief. So the one I was going to say is Rav Meir holds that the Chachamim imposed a penalty. 
We don't want people benefiting illegally from things that belong to someone else. Because now, you see your guy's animal, you see your neighbor's animal's about to give, a, give birth. You sure. see your animal's about, I, it'll be motivating me to go steal it because I know I can end up keeping it. Technically, I could keep it because of the shinui. We don't want to let people, it's called chot niskar. The guy who does a sin should not become, should not benefit from his sin. And therefore, as, as a knas, as a penalty, what did the rabbis impose? Right, but, but not because he doesn't agree that there was, there was really a shinui. We're just not going to let you benefit from that shinui. And therefore the rabbis have the ability financially, they go ahead and impose the penalty, you have to give it back. So that's going to be the two parts, the two stardom of the shilat, this version of the Gemara. So let's see inside. See, Boilehu, the Bnei Yeshiva had the following shilat. They wanted the halachic uh, clarification. My time, how do we understand Rav Meir Shita? That the Shinui stands in its place, i.e. that the Shinui doesn't change. It doesn't change the, the essence of the item and it still all belongs to the original owner. Oh, Dilma, that's not Pshat. But Alma, under normal circumstances, in all the other cases that we had, right? The Shinui, Alma Shinui is Kona. Guy, you stole wood and you made it into a closet. The shinu would be kona, but But here it's a special penalty that was imposed, right? That that why? Why did they impose that penalty? Right. So what it says, the So what would be a practical difference in the sheet of Rabbi? We're not just asking the semantics, but what would be the practical difference between the two? The practical difference would be: let's say the thief stole this pregnant animal. Let's say the thief stole the the. the but what happened was is that the animal deteriorated, okay, and now it's actually worth less. Significantly deteriorated. I don't know, we don't even have to talk about being pregnant or full of wool. But stop, you stole an animal and now it went through a significant change. Not necessarily negligence of the thief, but significant change. And this is not the same animal that you stole because of the significant change that the animal went through. If you hold that shinui doesn't work, then what's the din? Shinui still keeps it in the, in the possession of the original owner. Then you can say, I don't care if it's worth half of what it was worth before, but So therefore, but if you hold that what? Then what? Then you cannot say to the guy, you're going to have to pay out of pocket. So it's a big difference. These two sides of the halachic query is a big difference. It makes a big difference. We're at the, uh, uh, towards uh, about a third down from Antari uh, Hamad Aleph. All right. So Mara says like this. Again, that was the Shiloh. So what's going to be the Maynav Kamina, the Heicha de Kachasha Mekhash, where the animal, instead of going value, uh, moving up, the value has significantly deteriorated, went down. And therefore, if you hold Shinoi Kona, you can't say to the guy, this Arashal Cholofanecha, but if you hold Shinoi is Kona, if he's not Kona, then you can say Arashal Cholofanecha. Okay. So Tashema, we're trying to clarify Again, what the sheet of Rav Meir is, okay? Come and listen. Gazel Beheimah. Now, this is actually the next Mishnah. It's a Mishnah later on in, in, in this parak. You stole a Beheimah v'yiskina, all right? And this animal, when you finally get around to wanting to do tshuva and wanting to give back the animal, this animal is already in a wheelchair, all right? This animal got old. It's an old animal. Or Avodim, you stole slaves, and they are now old. 
Now, obviously, the fact that they now have gone through this significant change in their age devaluates the original item that was stolen, all right? Meshalem kashas agzele, the chachamim shita is, is that you can't give back the item anymore. You have to pay what it was when you stole. Why? Clearly, what are the chachamim hold? Um, I lost, I lost. They, 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 they hold that what? But no, it went down. The value went down. It's not there's an old an old slave, an old animal is not worth what you when it was stolen. So why? But but it's the if it's the original owner's thing, why can't you just say get it back? But it must be because they hold that that's considered to be a significant change, and therefore Shino is Kona, and this is not the owner's anymore. This belongs to the thief. The thief now has to pay out of pocket. That's the Chacham. So Chacham clearly hold that Shino is Kona. Now, what does Rav Meir say? Rav Meir makes a distinction. He says, In the case of slaves, there you can still say to the guy, take it back. Your, this is your slave. I don't care the fact that he's an extra, he's 40 years older, it doesn't matter. This is your slave. But by Behemoth, there you have to pay Kishasak Zelo. All right? Now, Let's understand what is the Gemara assuming Rav Meir holds. The way Rashi explains it, and I think we'll have to see it could even be La Maskana. Rav Meir holds like this, is that in order for Shinui to be Kona, remember this is a very important understanding, in order for Shinui to be Kona, we're talking about the case of Gzela, because the Torah gives a Kenyan Gzela. You are considered like the owner of the item, means in terms of your liability and responsibility for the item. Where there's a Shinui, that Mamash makes it completely like you're the owner, and then you only pay the guy cash, you don't pay what it is, because now you're considered the full owner of the item. Now land, we know, karka ain't exelus. There's no Kenyan gzela on land. You can't actually make a Kenyan gzela on land, because land always remains the owner. Why? Because the bottom line is, it, it, it is where it is, right? You can say it's yours, but that doesn't make it yours. So there's no Kenyan gzela on land. Okay, that's for sure. Now we know throughout Shas, in our vast experience of Shas, very often we compare Evid. Evid Kanan is compared like Karka. Now, if you cannot make a Kenyan Gzela in land, then Rav Meir holds you also cannot make a Kenyan Gzela in Karka. If you can't make a Kenyan Gzela in Karka, means you can't be the owner, therefore Shinui won't make a difference. Now, if Shinui doesn't make a difference, so even if this Evid now is nine years, that's why Rav Meir holds, but the Evid you can give it back. But by the behemoth, though, what does Rav Meir say? Then you have to pay out of pocket. But what do you see based on what Rav Meir, oh, the way we just... You acquire the animal by um, doing a whatever... No, there's a king exhale on an animal, right. and it's metalton. You can have a king exhale. Right. Therefore, what does Rav Meir... So therefore, we see the sheet of Rav Meir is not because he holds a shinu doesn't work. Because if it's because a shinu doesn't work, then he should hold both in the case of the Eved and in the case of the behemoth, you should be able to give it back to the owner. The fact he doesn't say that, he only says in the case of the Evid, you can give it back. But in the case of the behemoth, you have to pay out of pocket. Obviously, Rav Meir is of the opinion that a Shinoi does make it yours. Our original question was, why does Rav Meir say in the case where you stole a pregnant cow or you stole a sheep laden, he says over there you've got to give everything back even after it gave birth, even after. Was it because he doesn't agree with Shinui or is it just a special penalty? Now we're showing over here that now it must be because of a special penalty because he actually does hold of Shinui. How do we see that? Because by the case of the Behemoth, you cannot say take your animal back. That's what the more wants to say. 
Gemara says like this, Now, if you are of the opinion that Sabra uh, Abmeir, that Abmeir holds, that that a Shina doesn't change the ownership and it remains in its place, that I feel Bahama Nami, that even by Bahama too, what? Even by Bahama too, what? Even by Bahama, then he would have to. The guy should be able to give back the old behemoth right. to the guy too, but he says he can't do it. He says you have to pay what it was when it's stolen. So therefore, therefore, rather you see for a mayor, he's kasavar a mayor shinukona, the obviously holds shinukona, and in our case. In our case, the reason why you have to give back the wool and you have to give back the fetus, it's not because the shinui doesn't work, it's because it's a, it's a special penalty that the Chachamim imposed on the Ganev. So Gemara says like this, nice try, but it doesn't have to be that way. Why? Because Amri, because Meir Shiva said like this, right? Rab Meir, the Divram, Rabbana Kamalu. Rab Meir could be, he's talking to the Chachamim from their vantage point, from their perspective. It means according to me, I hold that Shinu doesn't work. And therefore, according to me, if Shinu doesn't work, therefore, when the animal gets old, or the ever gets old, I would hold that what? You could give back everything. the everything. I can go back. But even you guys who hold that Shinu does work, Agree with me at least in the case of the Evid, you should still be able to give back the Evid. Because even if Shinu does work, but since an Evid is considered to be like Karka, therefore there can't be a Shinu that makes it work in the case of Karka. That could be, he's only doing, he's, he's, he's doing it from the, from the perspective of the Chachamim. It's not necessarily that that's his Shita, but he's asking a question that at least by, at least by the case of Evid, agree with me, you should be able to give it back. So Amri Meir Shiva answered, Rameli Vremda comments. From their perspective, he's giving, he's, he's, he's stating what he's stating. Because Lady D, according to my opinion, Shinui and Kona, it could be that Meir holds that Shinui doesn't work. And I feel the Bahamanami, and therefore if Shinui doesn't work, an old animal could be given back, even an old animal, for sure the old slave. But according to you, Shita, that you disagree with me and you hold the Amri Shina Kona that Shinui does acquire, so then Lechora Odili Mias, you should still at least agree with me in the case of the Evid. Why? To make Davi, since an Evid is considered like Karka, and therefore what? Can't be stolen. Therefore, can't be stolen, therefore what? For Karka and Exiles, and land cannot be stolen, therefore what? Therefore, you never acquire it. Therefore, the Shinui cannot make it yours, you should be able to give it back in the case of the Evid. Found the Rabban, the Rabban disagree with that. The Rabban said, even though we have throughout Shas that an Evid is like Karka, but at the end of the day, an Evid is Metaltalim. An Evid is still movable. And therefore, we hold that an Evid could be stolen. And since we hold that an Evid could be stolen, there could be Kinyon Exela on an Evid as well. And the Shinui then will affect not only the case of the animal, but will the case in the case of. Which yeah. one? I, I, I question on, on the. Uh, can I question on the carcass? Well, I mean, I've As long as it stays stay to point, don't yeah, go off topic. Yeah. I thought we learned previously that if a person like the squatter's rights on carca, uh, if somebody doesn't protest, it becomes his or something. Didn't we learn something? That but that's not because of stealing. You can't say it's mine because I stole it and you never did anything about it. He says, I purchased it. The other issue is you got a chazaka because you purchased it. No one can say, oh, I stole this 10 years ago and you didn't do anything and therefore it's mine. No, no one. The chazaka doesn't help you in the source of the way it came to use the theft. I, I, I didn't remember. All right, okay. let's go on. Says the Gemara, okay, fine. So we still are up in the air as to what? When Rab Meir says that you stole a pregnant cow or you stole a laden, sheep laden with, with, with wool and even after the birth and even after he disagreed with our Mishnah, he said everything goes back. Was it because it's a penalty or was it because he disagrees in essence with what, with what uh, concept? Whether it's a Kona or whether it's a Whether Shino is Kona. 
Tomorrow I want to bring a ride. Toshima, come and listen. Now just in order to understand this, you need to know a Gemorim Bamatsia. Gemorim sheet in Bamatsia is that if you hire someone to do something for you and he changes from the instruction and does it differently, whether purposely or not, he's considered to be like a goslin. He's like a thief. Okay? Not going to get into the full details of why, but that's Rav Meir Shita. That if you instruct someone to do something and he does it differently, he has the same halachas as if what? As if he stole the item. Okay? No, that's uh, Rav Meir Shita. Now, therefore, Toshima, come and listen. All right? The case over here is you have a uh, fleece. You have wool. Okay? It's cleaned. It's white. And now you give it over to a dyer, D-Y-E-R. You give it over to a dyer and you ask him to dye it black. And what did he do? He dyed it red. Or you asked him to dye it red and he dyed it black. Stick with the program. So therefore, (laughs) now, the point is like this. So, let's think about this for a moment. According to Rav Meir, that considers him to have done an act of theft, Right? If you hold that Shinoi is Kona, so what should he have to pay? Kifel. Okay, for Gazlan, we're not Ghana. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have to pay? If, 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 if Shinoi is Kona, so who owns the colored the fleece? Shinoi is Kona, so who owns the fleece? The dyer owns it, and he would have to pay for the value, for the value of the fleece as it was when you gave it to him when it was white. Okay. If you hold that Shinoi is not Kona, then the Kona, I. It's true that it's not the color I wanted, but now it's been, uh, it's increased in value, but it's, it's my item that's increased in value. You don't have a right to hold on to my item, right? So let's see how Rav Meir rules, because now that'll tell us whether Rav Meir holds, whether he holds of Shinui, but it's not all of Shinui. Everybody with me? Yeah. So why is it like this? To paint it, uh, to dye it red, he paint, dyed it black. Shachar, to paint it, dyed black. He dyed it red. Rav Meir Omer, no sin lo samro. He pays the owner the value of what the wool was. L'chora, at the wool was, at when? When? When he gave it to him. When he did it, right? Now, the Gemara points that out. He just says you pay the value of what the wool, the made Samara in. That means he seems to be playing only what the original value of the wool was. But the made Samara v'shvacha lo. But it means you don't have to pay the wool with the new improvements. Why not? Because it should belong to the original owner. What's that? It belongs to the original owner. No, because no exactly the opposite. The wool now belongs to the thief. So therefore, the Isaac that died of Sav Rav Meir, Shinui and Kona. Now, if you hold Rav Meir's opinion in Shas, is that Shinui doesn't work and that this is always still viewed as belonging to the original owner, then what should you pay the original owner? You should have to give him. So the music market should pay him for the, the fleece plus its new value. It's, basically, it's, not, it's really a misnomer. It means you should have to give him back the entire item with the new value, with the improvements. So you should give him the, the fleece with its improvement back. Clearly from here, what do we see Rav Meir Shita is? 
that he holds, Mamino, Kasav Rav Shinu is Kona. And since over here we can prove Rav Meir holds Shinu is Kona, then we go back to our Shiloh. So back in the Shiloh, when you stole a pregnant cow or a cow with wool and you sheared it or you birthed it, why do you have to give it back? L'chol Rav Shinu is Kona. You should just be able to, should be able to hold on to the improvements of one. So it must be, it's on the back of your neck. So therefore, must be what? Therefore what? It must be that the reason there of mayor makes you give it back, it's not because the shinu didn't work. The shinu did work, but it's a penalty. We penalized you because you targeted somebody to benefit yourself that we don't allow to happen. Everybody with me? That's a good proof. So therefore, no. It is a good proof. So now we know that the mayor holds it. She knows it's Kona, but he's willing to make penalties, so the Chot is not going to be Niskar. Okay. Now, Ikeda Amri. Now we're going to go through an alternative version in terms of what the Shiloh was, in terms of understanding Rav Meir's sheet and how he understood Rav Meir. But is that going to impact whether Rav Meir does or doesn't hold? No, it's going to interact our original Shiloh. Okay, but not, we not hold ten. now through Shas that Ramir does hold that. Sheen is Kona, yes. Now we're just going to get another so way Igeda of Amri, Igeda Amri, Boylan, that we never had a Shiloh, that the original Shiloh we had, does Ramir hold Sheen is Kona, not Kona, that we never had that Shiloh, was from the get-go, we knew what? That Ramir holds We had a different Shiloh. Now why did we not have the Shiloh? The Apechle Rav, Vitani, because Rav, the Mishnah that we quoted earlier, that you stole a stole an, an animal, or you stole a slave, and they got older, right? Remember we had that. So we had a machlokas, the Tanakama and Rav Meir. Tanakama held that you got to give back, uh, that, that you, you got to pay, and you can't give back the animal because she is Kona. And Rav Meir, over there in, in, in the Brisa, Rav Meir says that, that in the case of the of the, what's his name, of the slave, you can give it back. Because we said that it could because the karka cannot be stolen, so they have an Evazai karka, you give it back, right? The, Rav's shita was, it was switched around. That what we thought the Tanakhama said, actually Rav Meir said, and what we thought Rav Meir said was said by the Tanakhama. Now let's speak it out. Meaning, you stole a slave, you stole an animal, and it got old, comes along Rav Meir and says, you, you can't give it back anymore. You have to pay out of pocket. So clearly, what do you see Rav Meir's sheet is from there? Why can't I give it back? Because it's not, because it, it does stop. Oh, no. Again, you stole a young spruce Evid or a young spruce slave. And it now got old. He says that Tanakhama now is Rav Meir's sheet, according to Rav. Rav Meir says you have to pay out of pocket what it was when you stole. You can't give him back an old decrepit slave or an old decrepit animal. You can't do that. Why? Because obviously the Shina was Kona. So we never had a Shaila in Rav Meir based on the version of Rav in the Mishnah. There was no question. Rav Meir clearly holds a Shina is Kona. Right. Right? Which means, therefore, if you go back to our case, where Rav Meir said that you stole a sheep that was pregnant, or you stole a, she- uh, you stole an, an, a cow that was pregnant, or a sheep that was full of that, and he makes you have to give it back, it's clearly the reason you have to give it back, it's because it's a knas. So we never had that as a Shiloh. 
That wasn't our Shaila originally. So Gemara says like this. That wasn't our Shaila. But the app of Rav, because Rav switches around the sheet but to me, and he learns in the Mishnah as follows. You stole an animal and it got old. Avadim, you stole slaves and skin when they got old. You have to pay what it was when it was young, when you stole it. It's the Chachamim that say, since we hold Avadim, is like Karka. So Vada, we see from that Mishnah, which is the next Mishnah coming up, that Rab Meir Shinakona, for sure Shinakona. And therefore, in the price that we said earlier, that Rab Meir says you got to give back the wool and you got to give back the offspring, clearly it's because it's a knas. It's got nothing to do with Shinakona, because Shinakona for sure is Kona. So therefore, so what was our Shiloh? We had a different Shiloh. We had a Shiloh like this. What are the parameters of this knas? Meaning the purpose of the knas was that we don't allow a thief to benefit, right, from somebody else's property. The question is, is that specifically if that was his intention and he knew he was doing something wrong? Or what happens if the guy is an Amaharit? The guy doesn't realize he's doing something wrong. Would we still impose the penalty. That's a different Shiloh now, right? The, the Ikad Ami, the version, we know it's for sure a Knas. The only question is, do we apply the Knas only where it's done bemazed, or do we even apply the Knas where the person did what he did illegally beshogek? Okay? Now we're going to see if we can bring proof one way or the other. So when it says, Kikami Boilan, Kikai Boilan, our Shiloh was, Achi Boilan, this was our Shiloh. What was our Shiloh? This was our Shiloh. Kika Kanis, when Rav Meir makes their penalty, is it only after the act was done by Mazid, where you realized you're doing something deliberately illegal? But it was, in a, it was not done. Uh, uh, with with the intent to do something illegal, even though now you end up benefiting. Even in a case where it's done inadvertently, there still will be a penalty. So Toshama, come and listen. Sigmora now wants to bring a proof from the following. It says as follows. Now, there are five cases we're talking about as follows. The, 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 the rule we're talking about encumbered properties, right? Encumbered properties... Uh, are that you, some type of transaction occurs and you, you the seller, underwrite that you are taking responsibility for the property and you encumber your, you encumber your properties. That means even if subsequently you sell them to a third party, the lien that's created because you secured the sale you underwrote to take security on the sale, or we'll see in a case of a loan, is that that third party now is subject that the original person can come and take it back. All right? Now we're going to see, Chachamim, we're going to see, Chachamim were very, felt that it's very important to protect commerce. If you, you don't want to do something that stymies sale. Because if people are gun shy and don't want to buy and sell, then what happens? No commerce. Then society is going to go down the tubes. You need to be able to. So therefore, in certain cases, all right, in certain cases, they did not allow collection from encumbered properties from a third party. They did not allow they, they qualified what can or cannot be taken, 
Alright? So the Gemara says like this. Tashima, come and listen. Chamisha, in five cases, the, the, the creditors go vinamin They can only collect from properties that have not been sold. Means that it's, it's unencumbered properties. Properties that were not in the hands of a third party, they, have to, they can collect, but only from the original person that is liable, but not from a third party. Okay? Five cases. The Eloan, these are them. So I'm gonna, each one of these needs a bit of an explanation. So let's go with the first one, okay? Eloan, Peiros, Mishvach Peiros. All right? The it's produce and the improvement of the produce. Now let me explain to you how Raj explains this, okay? This is more we had believing suvis. Now what's the case over there? The case was like this. The case was that um, a thief stole property, okay? He, somehow he figured out how to get property from the original owners. He now owns this, and he goes and sells this to a third party. So the third party right now buys the property from the thief. Now whether he knows that the guy had stolen it, not stolen it, but his assumption is that once it transfers to him, that is protected, that property cannot be taken back. And what he does now, so let's say this was a thousand dollar prop, uh, let's say this was a hundred thousand dollar property, he goes now and he invests, fertilizes it, plows it, and now this property either now has got fruit on it or it's just gone up in value because what he went and uh, he improved the property comes along the original owner, tracks down his property, and he now finds that this property is in the hands of... The third party. The third party. Who bought it from the thief. Right. The halacha is that the owner takes back the land, as is, as is, which means that bottom line is he's actually getting back a property that's worth more now, the person that's been harmed is the third party. The third parties. Now, what should the third party have to do? He has to go back to the thief to collect the money back. Because bottom line is that is that's that's that, that's title insurance, right? When you he basically the one that's offering it to him is the seller. Right. Now so he goes back to the thief. Now what he finds out, let's say he finds out the thief has sold his last remaining property. Now, if the thief has $150,000 worth of property, not a Shiloh, he takes the $150,000. Why does he take the $150,000? Because the, the property itself was worth $100,000, plus the extra $50,000 that he lost because it was taken when away. When you say property, are you talking about physical land, or are you talking about car car? Land, 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 so land, 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 land. Let's take with land. So now, however, what if he comes back and he finds out that the thief sold his last piece of property, okay? Now, that property now is by another third party, right? Technically, he can go back to that third party because his lien predates the sale of the second property. Of the second 
Stolen property. No, no, no. It's a, it's a different piece of property that got sold to a... Not, not, it wasn't that... He, yeah, he had... He had his, his... No, but that, that wasn't a stolen property. That was a... The, oh, the thief owned, owned, owned it. Owned it. He owned it. But, but the bottom line, he has a lien on it. Yeah, yes, but, yes. The, but the thief already sold it somewhere else, right? Yes. He can go back and take it because his, his lien predates the sale. Yes. But we only allowed him to take it up to $100,000. We don't allow him to collect for the $50,000 of payrolls or improvements that he cannot take. That he would only be able to collect from the thief himself. He cannot take it from the encumbered property that is the spin-off because now he lost his property. What's the logic behind that? Why is that? So the reason is because Chacham said we have to protect buyers. Now, as a buyer, I can figure out what your last five sales are, and I can leave you with enough property. If I'm the buyer on the list, and you've got five other properties that you've sold, as long as I leave you enough property to cover those five sales, I know I'm gonna be protected. Because let's say, let's say you've had a million dollars worth of sales in the last five years, okay? Now, any one of those could be a, the guy could come back and want his money back because it could be stolen property, could be. But I know you have a million dollars worth of property on you right now. I'm buying $250,000 worth of property, but I'm leaving you with a million dollars knowing that I'm covered. Because bottom line is, whether you sell it, whatever you do, it can't come back, those previous sales can't come back to me because I left you. But but that could only be calculated on the actual principle. But how are you gonna calculate what improvements they're going to be. Say the Chachamim, therefore, improvements can only be taken from Bnei Chorin, can only be taken from the person himself. For the, for the, you cannot go to a third party to collect on your improvements. Clear? That's, a, that's the first two. Okay? So, there are five cases that the creditors, or the person that you have liability towards, have to collect from only from unsold properties, means properties that in our case, that the thief himself owns, not from anything that he sold, the Elohim, Peros, Beshvach Peros. The first case is either for the produce or the improvements of the land, number one. Number two, case number two, let's put, the play, put in play. Man marries a woman, okay? And she has been married before and she has children. Technically, Johnny, the person is not responsible for those children. Why? Because they're not his children. Right. But she says, I'm not marrying you unless you take on financial responsibility for those children. Now, that creates a liability on the properties of the second husband because those properties now have to be used to support them, right? For the mezonas, for the upkeep of them. Now, let's say what happens is that something goes wrong. The husband is either not around anymore or he's refusing to do it, all right? The wife and children can go to the existing properties of the husband and do what? Collect, Collect for the upkeep for the mazonas of the children. However, if he sold the property, they, can't go they cannot go to the third party. Why? 
there's no lien that can be put on it for this debt. There could be technically. Why not? Because you gotta have from a car. Because again, it's not an exact amount. It's that we're trying to protect buyers. Buyers can protect themselves uh, with leaving enough money behind to cover an outstanding debt. But how are you going to cover the what? What amount are you going to leave in a case from his owner? So therefore, that they get versus. Yeah, we don't know. We don't want a special diet. You know, they eat uh, whatever it is. Anyway, the point is like this. So that's the next case. So therefore, I'm a kabbalah lozen ben ishto ubas ishto, the son or the daughter of his wife from a first marriage. All right, all right. Similarly, the get chov she'ain ba'achrayus. All right, now. Get chov, the word get, actually Rashi, uh, Tosus, the first Tosus in, in the Masech, get just means a document, a document of, could be a, an, a loan. We use the word get now synonymous with a divorce, but it doesn't have to be, it could be a don't. A loan document that did not have a chryos written in there. What is a chryos in there? A chryos means that I am securing, I'm insuring the loan. So if you, according to, we're going to see, this is going to be Rameer Shita. The Chachamim Shita is that even if you don't write into a loan, but it's a documented loan, you don't write in there that I am placing a lien on my properties and therefore they're encumbered now. And even if somebody buys past this date, those properties, you can go after the third party properties. Even if you don't write that in, that's the mistake of the sofa because it's understood any written document, any written loan has built into it the ability to collect from encumbered properties. Rav Meir disagrees. Rav Meir says, if you don't write it in, then it's like a verbal loan. A verbal loan, you can only go after B'nai Chorin. You cannot go after the Meshubodim. You can only go after the unencumbered properties. You cannot go after the encumbered, sold third-party properties. That's another case where you didn't write into the loan the words that you can go after, that, that it becomes a lien on the properties. And the last case is Ksuvas Isha Shein Bachrayos, that you did a Ksuva, same idea, you did a Ksuva with an Isha, and you did not write in there that these properties are being uh, identified, they're being, uh, they're being putting a lien on them, from, they're being made into Meshubadim, that if anybody tries to buy these properties, the wife will be able to go after them. If you sell them, the wife cannot go after them. But according to Hacham, you don't have to write that in. It's, it's automatically <coughs> understood. So therefore, I can, anyway, these are five cases where we see you can only go after Bnei Chor and you cannot go after the Meshubadim. Now, Again, let's not lose sight. Very often you get caught up in the, in the minutia. But let's not get sight. We're trying to bring a raya to prove that Rav Meir holds that when there is a knas, mm-hmm. it's not just when it's done. We want to know whether it's when it's, it's only when it's done b'mezid or even if it was done b'shog. That's, that's now. What does this have to do with that? So let's see. Man shamet lo, because the Bryce doesn't say who the author of the Bryce is. So let's first establish who the author of the Bryce is. So man shamet lo, who is the opinion that holds that the Amar Achrayus Lavtau Soferu, that Achrayus writing insurance or writing guarantee into a loan, into an, uh, an IOU, is not a, a, an oversight. It's not a mistake if you left it out. If you left it out, you cannot collect from the encumbered properties. Whose opinion is that? That is Rav Meir. Okay, so we've shown Rav Meir is the author of this b'risa. And what does it say in the b'risa? It says, V'ktani peiros v'shvach peiros. And it says in this b'risa, the case of produce 
and the improvement of the produce, the upgrade, the improvement that is done to the properties, okay? So we said in those cases, you cannot take it from the third party for the produce or the improvements of the produce. You can only take it from the thief himself, but not from a third party. Now let's understand this. What is the case exactly of the improvement of the property? We spoke it out. For example, The case was that the thief stole it from Ruvain. Okay, Ruvain was out of town, right? Uh, Someone told me that it happened over here. There was, that he moved, uh, he moved into a Valley Village. He had purchased or leased the house. I don't remember, was it buy or lease? And then it found out that the person who sold it or leased to him it was like a scam going on at the time. It wasn't, that. so that's what happened over here. So a guy stole the property and went and sold it, and went and sold it to somebody else. All right, and this new owner, so let's say, we'll call it, Reuben was the original owner, okay? The thief stole it from Reuben, sold it to Shimon. <coughs> Shimon went and now made this $100,000 property worth $150,000. And now what happens, it is taken back the property is now reclaimed by who? The by Ruvain from Shivan, and he took back the whole 150000 He takes back his property. So now what happens? Kishugova, now when Shimon goes to collect, who is he collecting from? Right, we turn the page. Is Govez Akeren Minachasim Meshubodim. He collects the principal. The principal, the $100,000, he's allowed to collect from who? Not just from the thief. But he's allowed to collect any land that the thief had post-sale that was sold. Who's collecting now? Uh, forgive me. Shimon, the guy who just had it taken away from him. Okay, so Shimon was the guy the who buyer. Bought, bought, uh, the, buyer the buyer. The buyer was taken away $150,000 worth of property. So he said $100,000, which was the original value of the property he bought. He doesn't, he, he's not just limited to taking it from the thief. He can take it from property that the thief himself sold. Had sold. Else. It's insured that he can take it from somebody else. However, there's a schwach, but the value at the property went up from 100 to 150,000. That 50, he can only take from who? Menachasin b'nei chorin. From the, from the free property, means what the property the thief only has now, he can't take it from what the guy who bought it from the thief, he cannot take it from that. So are we saying that the buyer who bought the stolen property, is Achrayas come automatically when he buys it from the thief? Or is it only... no, that's not the issue here. That's only discussing here. There was Achrayas. This was a sale with Achrayas. When it's automatic, he wrote it into the... Th- that was the case. He gave him, he wrote it for him. Now, now the Asa Baal Ara, right? Veshakil Ara Now, it comes out that the owner of the field, right? The owner of the field, he takes back a property that what? Was improved. Was improved. That's a $150,000 property, even though that when it was stolen from him, it's worth a hundred. Now, now, Lechora, let's understand this for a moment. Lechora, why? Why does he, why is he able to do this, right? So Mara says like this, the Gemara's assumption is that why, why did the original Shimon, the original buyer, why did he, think that he's okay. He goes and steals $100,000. with the thief, he left him with other property. But, 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 but the bottom line is, 
in his mind, he must think it's okay to do. The Gemara says, in Amma Aretz, and he doesn't realize, why would he buy such a property? You know the guy you're stealing from is a thief. You're the guy you're buying from is a thief. So he must think that once it's gone from the thief to him, then, 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 then he's clear, right? He's clear, okay? So now, and still what happens? We, he's penalized. How's he penalized? Because he, he only, he the guy only had a property that was 100000 You're letting him take all the, so the one wants to see, so you see from here that when we penalize, we even penalize a person that didn't realize that he's doing something wrong. Sorry, he bought it from the thief knowing the guy was a thief. He didn't know he was but, a thief. No, no, he couldn't know that he was a thief, but he, in his mind, he doesn't know oh, about Allah. He thinks that once it changes, it changes hands or whatever it is, he's protected, and therefore he invested in here. He doesn't think he's doing anything wrong at this point, right? Yeah. So my love, well, we're not talking about an Amma Oret. Deloyoda, Bekarka, Gernigzelis. He doesn't realize that land is uh, uh, that, that, uh, that, uh, he doesn't know whether this land is stolen legally or not stolen legally and therefore he doesn't think it's going to come back and blow on him because he doesn't, he doesn't think it's an issue nevertheless even though on some level he's like a shogeg what's the aloha the owner comes takes back not only the land of the original $100,000, but what additionally is he taking back? He's taking the improvement. This is similar to the case of taking back the cow with the fetus that's been born, or taking back the sheep with it. And, and so therefore, what do you see? That Rameer holds that even in a case of shogun, we impose a penalty where the person doesn't realize he's doing something wrong. He still is penalized that we're not gonna let him benefit from stolen property. So when it says like this, you're making an assumption. You're assuming that we're talking about an Amma Oretz who doesn't know the halacha. Maybe this is not talking about an Amma Oretz. Maybe it's talking about a Talmud Chacham that knows the halacha, and that's why he's being penalized, because he knows he's doing something wrong. Who says we're talking about over here so much an Amma Oretz? What it says like this, Amri Bnei Shiva said, maybe Shimon the buyer is a Talmud Chacham, but he already knows, and that's why he gets such a penalty that he can, it can get taken away from him. It's true, he can go back after the thief, but that's his headache now. But the point is, I, why are you penalizing him that way? Why don't you just say that the original owner should only take $100,000 worth of the property or compensate him for the remaining, because he's being penalized. I, he didn't know, he didn't know. Who said he didn't know? Who said he didn't know? Toshima, come and listen. Now the one wants to bring a raya from a case we had. Remember, the case was you hired somebody to, uh, to dye it black. He dyed it red. Red and dyed black, right? Rav Meir said, that you only have to pay for what the wool was. But who keeps it? The thief. The thief, right, the thief. Now, Lechora, Made smara in, he only pays for the value of the wool, the original wool that was worth, let's say, a hundred bucks. In fact, it's gone up to be worth one hundred thirty dollars. He doesn't pay one hundred thirty; he pays a hundred. To made smara vishvacha, but for the wool plus its improvement, you don't have to give back or pay back the owner. Now let's understand that it comes out that he is benefiting. He is benefiting from somebody else's improvement. improvement. I, so then why don't we penalize him? 
Then why don't we penalize him? Must be because this guy doesn't realize. The guy made a mistake. He didn't realize that he's doing the wrong color or the wrong. And therefore, if it's a mistake, Rav Meir doesn't penalize him. So this is the raya. So therefore, that in the case of Shogeg, all right, he's also considered subject to the penalty. So the mate's Horash Racha Bailam is of So you should have to pay him the 430, not just the 100. If we see from here, the penalty is only in the case of Mezid, but but in the case of Shogek, Rav Meir did not penalize. All right.